Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Stoke the Wild, the podcast dedicated to creativity. With me as always is our wonderful host, Joy. Hi guys. And myself, and I am Nick, and that's who I am. And <laughs> that's what's happening this time on this introduction, because we can never do it the same anytime, I think. No, it'll never be the same. No, never. Uh, but we are excited. This is, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, this is... Um, this is quarantine time. This has been a few weeks, uh, almost almost a few months now, of uh, being inside. And we've been recording episodes and having fun and learning to live in this new world that has been uh, given to us, at least temporarily with all this stuff, and trying to make the most of it and the best of it. And we've been lucky enough to have some wonderful people on the show. And uh, this episode is no exception. With us this week is a dear friend of mine, a friend of ours. His name is Mark Fist. Mark, say hi to everybody. Hello, hello. Mark, we're so glad that you're here. We're glad, glad that you can be with us. I'm glad I'm here, too. <laughs> I know we we, uh, we had talked a while ago uh, about talking about education, and I'm an art teacher, and I'll let you guys get to that, but I'm pretty I'm pretty excited, I got to say. So Good. Good. <laughs> Good. We're, uh, we're doing this over uh, a Zoom call and getting the recording in, so this is exciting, trying some new things in this like I said, in, in the way that things are right now. And uh, yeah. it, it's cool. So I'm glad that we get a chance to see you and talk to you and have some time to be able to uh, talk about art, education, and, and creativity is, is what we're all about. And going back uh, just a little bit of history on Mark, and at least my relationship with Mark, I've known Mark since I was a kid, uh, doing things at the Christian Youth Center in Joliet, Illinois, um, and being a part of some different ministry stuff growing up, as well as watching him play crazy fun songs on guitar at camps and different things like that. And then when I was in high school, I did some photography, am really, really amateur photography work uh, for some of Mark's paintings. Um, and to see like the transition of your creative journey as an artist, developing these characters and these worlds, and then becoming this art teacher and visiting you at school in different places when you were teaching in uh, like Kankakee and stuff, has been really, really cool. And so... Mark brings this art education background, a love of art, a history of art within his um, ecosystem of what he does, and I'm excited that he's here with us. So thank you for being here. Hi, you guys are very welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, we're pumped. So, Mark, let's go back. Let's <laughs> rewind the tapes. Uh, You're a boy. <laughs> a small, small boy. I thought you were just commenting. You're a boy. <laughs> Done. Yes. Hey, uh, I'm just going to state some <laughs> obvious things here. Um, <laughs> no, but rewinding, you know, you're a small, small boy. You know, you're growing up. You're, you're doing your thing. And um, if you've never met Mark, Mark is about 12 feet tall. And so <laughs> um, he is he's a tall, tall person. Um, but you go back to being a kid. What was your first kind of introduction to art? What was the first thing that caught your eye and... Um, kind of started the snowball effect of where you've ended up today. Sure. So I'd like to start off by saying that my parents did a phenomenal job of fostering creativity in our house. Um, mm -hmm. I was blessed to have two parents that are musicians. Uh, my dad uh, is a retired high school band director still directs bands to this day. So it's been a lifelong endeavor for him. And my mom's a, a cello player, cellist. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Joy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joy. And so, <laughs> and so having, having music in the home, 
um, a fine art like that was, you know, just immersed just in that in that kind of world. And mm -hmm. then as I grew up, I uh, became enamored with cartoons and Looney Tunes specifically, Warner Brothers cartoons, Chuck Jones, uh, watching those on TV. Nice. Uh, we had a, an RCA TV that had a crazy cool technology called a pip screen, a picture in picture. And you could pop this little little picture up in the corner and on live TV back in the day, I could pause it and I would pause like Daffy Duck's face on the screen and I would sit there and sketch uh, and try <laughs> to draw exactly what I saw on the TV. That's and awesome. My, my dad just, you know, kind of just praised me for, for that and encouraged me and, and oh, I think that cool that encouragement and, and like I said with music and art in the house um, that's where it kind of all began for me wow that's really cool so with Warner Brothers and cartoons being um, this big introduction um, with your parents fostering creativity and art what what led you into this career of becoming an art teacher what what brought you down that path to not just learn about it but to then turn around and share that love of art and creativity with others sure you know, the the fact that my dad was a, a teacher, he was my band director. So we went we went to school and I had him for four years and That's and funny. that was that was an experience in and of itself. <laughs> he would he would call me out in front of the class and, and call me Marky. Uh, oh. like like you know, and so or I call him dad, you know, and it's like so That's having funny. that having that relationship but also just seeing the compassion that he had for kids, the just the drive that he the, uh, was able to get kids to pursue excellence mm -hmm. um, was a huge influence. So my dad being like the major influence. And then I had wonderful art teachers throughout school as well. My, my high school art teacher, uh, Mrs. Mullen, she, she actually um, was a big influence on me as well. Just seeing the kind of uh, excitement and, and fun that she, that she had in the classroom and, and mm -hmm. could get the kids, uh, you know, to really create some some outstanding stuff was was really cool to see. And um, cool story about that is after I had been teaching for quite a few years, she uh, moved to um, a different school and the school I was teaching at and and her school were in the same conference. So we we were able to teach alongside of each other at workshops and things like that. It was really surreal. It was, it was kind of a, a strange moment, but also very cool. Yeah. Um, and we we had kept in contact throughout the years too, through through Facebook or or mm -hmm. Instagram and things like that, and references. Um, so, but yeah, having having those teachers in my life, I think was a a big you know push towards that. Um, you know, and, and I think my my passion, obviously cartoons, animation, that hasn't left. And I think the teaching the teaching gig was um, definitely one that was uh, a stable uh, job, like one that you know promised job security yeah. right off the bat. And so I, I definitely jumped at that mm -hmm. um, you know yeah. opportunity. Yeah, right. That would be so strange, I think, to uh, go and then teach alongside a former teacher. I, I don't know how I would handle that, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think it would kind of freak me out. 
it it happens a lot, you know, because a yeah. lot of lot of lot of students end up teaching at the schools that they went to, and so mm. the the veteran teachers are still there, and so yeah. it's actually kind of a fun, it's a kind of a fun dynamic. Yeah. That's yeah, you really can kind cool. of see the fruits of your labor then in many ways that, you know, even if it's one person that, you know, mm-hmm. it paid off. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, I think of teachers that I had, um, and I've talked about this before um, early on in in the show, but teachers that I had that sometimes kind of push that creativity aside, you know, when I was when I was growing up in class. And it wasn't necessarily like in those art classes per se, but just in other areas where I tried to do something a little bit different in class with the assignment and they're like no this is not the time for that and it kind of kind of made me not want to pursue some of that creative creative stuff um or those different creative ideas and do you find like with students who come into the art room like they have to battle some of that because now they have this freedom to be creative but in other areas they don't i think for for me i struggle with getting the kids to believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. And so a major a major component of my classroom is is growth mindset. Are you guys familiar with growth mindset? Yeah. Uh, uh, Joy might be a little bit. Um, yeah. But not me. So, Car- so I, I would definitely take a, a little lesson on it. <laughs> Carol Dweck is is kind of the the proponent of this and and mm-hmm. she she talks about two types of learners, right? And I I come across the first type that I'm going to talk about all the time, and that's the major battle. And that's a, a student that has a fixed mindset, meaning they they believe that they have no talent, that they were born this, you know, they, they just aren't good at this. Um, that's their mindset is I, I, I can't do this or I'm not good at this or I'll never get to that point. Whereas a growth mindset says, I know that it takes hard work. This is going to take hard work. This is going to take some time and effort, but I you know, I can get there. Mm -hmm. And so what that teaches is that everybody, no matter who you are, has the capability of learning. Mm -hmm. And it just takes time and effort. It's it's all about putting in deliberate practice time. uh, You know, it's not going to come easy. It's, you know, there's a there's a quote by Charles Eam says, um, you know, it, I forget what it is, but it's like process. art is not magic, right? It's it's a it takes it's a process, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't just happen. It's the process that hmm. you have to go through, yeah, in yeah. order to get there. Yeah, fun story. Your sister uh, taught me about Carol Dweck. Um, there you go. Yeah, so, and Laura is it? Laura is a teacher yeah. as well. Yeah, um, we worked um, together for like half a minute, um, and that was. <laughs> And that was when uh, when she talked to me about that. And I was like, that is just the best thing I've ever heard. It's um, all about failure being a positive mm-hmm. learning point, yeah. right? Like you can't downplay yeah. failure. We, we just have to be encouraging our kids all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we could talk forever on, on just this one topic. But, yeah. but that's kind of like my big thing is getting kids to believe in themselves or to understand like art is hard. Like it's mm. difficult mm-hmm. and it's just going to take some time and effort And the, the, um, you know, the positive takeaway or like that feeling of accomplishment comes after hard work has been put in. It's not going to be an instant gratification. Yeah. Right. I think that is fascinating because 
at least for me, for a long time, I was probably that kid that was more set in the realm of, no, this isn't going to work. Like, I can't do this. Um, and I didn't believe in myself, and I didn't have the uh, the push from enough people or maybe the right people in my life at the time to really get me to see beyond um, either the words or actions of other people who were influencing me in a negative way um, or, or whatever it may have been. But it took a long time for me to even reach that point of saying, you know what, if I if I do try hard enough, I'm, I'm sure I can figure this out or I can learn it or I can grow it. And I still, I definitely still struggle with it at times mm-hmm. and can be easily stubborn depending on what it is. But I've definitely seen a change over the years where that growth mindset has uh, has definitely pushed me into being more courageous and stepping out in some of that stuff yeah the the idea is that if if we let kids believe that there's this existence of natural talent you're either born with it or you're not Mm. and they they you know come at a new activity and they're not good at it they're just going to believe that they're not good at it and they'll never try and so at you know whatever it might be singing playing an instrument right a sport, whatever, whatever that activity is, uh, we can't, we can't let them become a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is, this is an idea that I got from a guy named, um, Anders Ericsson, who, who talks about deliberate practice and the idea that it, it takes, you know, it's the same kind of concept, like to become a master of something, it takes like 10,000 hours, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but the idea is that you can get really good at something, in way less time if you are seeking out good mentors, good teachers and uh, practicing in, in mm-hmm. smart ways and getting outside of your comfort zone early on and then trying to just pick apart what it is you're trying to learn, break it down into smaller bites, uh, these like little skill builders. Um, that's that's yeah. a big part of what we do as teachers. Yeah. As an art teacher, then, how does how do you see creativity beyond just what you're teaching? How, how do you see that then, like, build itself into the general the general purposes of, of your classroom? Um, if you're going to get students to believe in themselves, what are some of the ways that you tackle that to, to help them? You mentioned, like, those skill builders, but what do you do practically in your room? Yeah, I think for me, like I said before, I'm, I'm just like a big cheerleader as far as uh, literally, though, right? Like if you look at me, I'm a, <laughs> a really big cheerleader. Um, but but like if you so I'm a high school teacher and I have nine through 12 grades, nine through 12. Um, sometimes I have students in a, a foundations class that are seniors. Um, and so they've never taken a class. But the way it kind of scaffolds is, you know, the freshmen are in the intro class and then we kind of move up into those intermediate and then right. advanced courses. Mm-hmm. And with the, the intermediate or sorry, the um, those foundations courses, I, I am careful with my critique. Um, I, I try to point them towards, you know, improvement. Uh, but a lot of it is just being a cheerleader, just encouraging them to keep going. You're doing a great job, you know showing them that I'm proud of the work that they're putting into it. And then as they kind of scale up, I can be a little bit more um, pointed with my critique. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just an important thing is you don't want an in, you know a person that's just getting into this um, to just you know kind of nail them with the you know the things that they're they're doing wrong, but mm-hmm. to uh, point out all the things that they're they're doing that are great. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think sometimes, not just teachers, but people in general forget that we are very quick. My, and this is myself included. I'm talking to here. We are very quick to um, look at the negative or look at the mistakes and go, well, why'd you do it like that? Versus being proud of or giving um, rightful praise to the things that worked or went well in, a, in an area, whether that is in art or, you know, in the classroom or in life in general. So this is making me think a little bit about the work that we do um, at my job with families. So a lot of the times we'll come up against something that maybe is, um, you know, we're, we're talking with families about parenting and whatever, and uh, we come up against something that maybe is not um, recommended, right? Um, and so they're, and they're sharing it with you and they're talking to you about it, and the issue comes up where... If you don't have a strengths-based approach, then you're they're going to shut down and they're going to stop trying as a parent um, because they're going to think, well, I'm a bad parent anyway and I did this thing wrong and so that means I'm going to do everything else wrong. Um, so it's making me think a little bit about that because we'll – like the biggest thing that we do is just ask questions. We'll say like, so tell me about that. Um, you know, or they'll ask us, is this a good thing to do? Well, what do you think? Like tell me more about it and like – just continually ask these open-ended questions um, and explore it with them. And usually, more often than not, like, we'll come to the end of the conversation and they'll, you know, have opened up their minds a little bit. They'll feel a little bit stronger as a parent and they feel like that skill has been strengthened in them. And then they're actually more open to hearing something that is, you know, a critique. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of the kid that comes up and, and says, is this good enough? Is this good enough to get, <laughs> yeah. give me an A? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Have I done the bare minimum yet? Yeah. 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 And so so my response, we, we talk about growth mindset, right? And my response mm -hmm. is, well, don't are you proud of the work that you've put into this? Don't finish until mm -hmm. you're proud. Mm -hmm. And so they'll ask those types of questions. Should I do this? And, and so it is. You're just kind of answering with questions or kind of leaning them, kind of guiding them. Mm -hmm. uh, to to a point where and, and there are some times when I'll give them like a, a suggestion like hey what if you put some trees in this area or what if you uh, use these colors because of this you know whatever this color scheme might be mm -hmm. we're talking about I, I do give those types of, of suggestions um, but it is it is important to like you said get them to get to the the end goal themselves mm -hmm. Yeah, find the solution on their own. Almost. Find the solution. Yeah. So um, that being said, you know, you talked a little bit about your journey into art and then into teaching and giving us some really great information regarding just this this principle of education. Um, and I would say not even in just an art classroom or in the classroom in general, just in the way that we interact with all types of students, um, young or old. Uh, and I've find that very fascinating so I appreciate that but I, I want to talk a little bit more about um, your personal kind of style and how you discover that because um, for anyone who knows you you have a very unique and fun style uh, for those of you listening who don't know Mark uh, I, I'm hoping that by now you are already scrolling through his Instagram feed um, which we will have linked below so you guys can check out his work but you have this unique style that is reminiscent of some of those classic um, visual backgrounds from like Mary Blair and some early Disney animation stuff that I've always loved and found um, 
in a good way, like quirky and fun and really draws you in. And uh, so I I just like, can you share with us some of how you kind of figured out where you were going with that and kind of made that discovery of this is the type of world I want to build? Sure. So absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with Mary Blair. She's like one of my, you know, huge art heroes uh, Mm -hmm. from Disney's past. So um, if you don't know Mary's work, check out, uh, you know, Peter Pan. You've got Mm -hmm. Alice in Wonderland, uh, Three Caballeros, like. Uh, just like some just some fen- phenomenal yeah. color work and then her big one was it's a small world and she did mm-hmm. a lot of work for golden books as well um i even have one like right here not he's kidding um sorry for the noise on my desk but <laughs> baby's house this this one here um, oh that's great just just great stuff so how did i get there i you know back in like i was saying growing up cartoons were always something that I was into. So when I was a kid, it was Warner Brothers, it was Disney. Um, And Hanna-Barbera was a big influence because my dad loved Mm -hmm. Hanna-Barbera. Yogi, Snagglepuss, uh, (laughs) Huckleberry Hound, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. The the colors, the stylings of the background, the just kind of that mid-century modern look um, was a huge influence back then. But I didn't really know that. I didn't know what that was until Mm -hmm probably post post like postgraduate stuff like so really so yeah and so i i got into mary blair through an artist so in in like the mid 2000s 2005 um got into a guy named tim biscuit he worked on uh animation backgrounds at cartoon network and you know like we're talking like powerpuff girls he actually Mm -hmm. did a powerpuff girl uh golden book Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I stumbled upon him through the, uh, kind of the urban vinyl scene, Nick, I know, you know, like pop vinyl yeah, figures, yeah. Uh, you know, today, but like back in, back in the day, it was a lot of like creator driven, character driven, uh, vinyl toys. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I got into collecting those, um, through probably juxtapose magazine. Um, if you remember juxtapose. Um, yep. still, still magazine that's going today, but there was really, really kind of this underground, uh, uh they called it like pop surrealism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get a lot of people from that kind of Southern California area creating in that cartoon world, but then creating these vinyl figures. So, uh, some of Tim's books referenced Mary Blair as a, uh, influence and so mm-hmm. you, you you look at artists and you're like oh who who did they who are they looking at you know yeah. and so yeah. you kind of go down the rabbit the rabbit trail or the rabbit hole of like what where did this happen or you know what what came before this guy or you know where did they get that style from mm-hmm. james flora jim flora did these amazing mid-century album covers for for jazz deca uh, the label and so if you look up jim flora just some crazy wacky cool stuff there's a louis arm louis armstrong cover that's yeah, yeah. just bonkers and i saw it at we my wife and i erin um i have to give a shout out because she's like my idea person my mm. muse right uh, all anything that i've ever created that's funny or or, or cool is because erin came up with the idea so mm. i gotta give her props for that but anyway we we love antiquing we love mid-century and so we, we uh, you know, that's always like my hunt is, can I find vintage Mary Blair? Can I find vintage Jim Flora? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Tim Biscop 
went to Mary Blair, went to Jim Flora. And then from there, just kind of opened up that world of who created the the artwork for all of these cartoons. Hmm. Um, aspects of cartoons are going to be like the background design, the layout, the color stylist. So like Mary Blair, she did the color stylings, uh, which is kind of like an early visual development. Visual development is the type of art that uh, comes before the, the movie. So it's just like the brainstorming of what is it going to look like and that kind of goes on through the the animation pipeline so figuring out what went into all this kind of led me to all these other artists um so mid-century is a huge aspect of that i mean i could i could talk to you literally for hours about this one <laughs> one topic we uh so we, that was we like 2005 right yeah 2000 2005 and uh Tim Biscuit, huge influence, still is today. The guy's a genius, just prolific. Now, was this so, was this some of the stuff that I remember there was a time uh, where you and I would go to every now and then like these galleries in Chicago, but they would be like vinyl figure galleries and there'd be like uh, those those money figures yep. um, and then kid robot figures and things yep. like that where with like the original designs just painted right on them and stuff there. Mm. Yep. So, so Roto Fuji, downtown <laughs> Chicago, uh, is a store that was um, uh, opened by Kirby Kerr and his late wife, and uh, just just an awesome space. And they actually expanded um, and, and moved, but they had a gallery that kind of coincided with their shop, and they would bring in the artists uh, that created these these vinyl figures, uh, but just put you know their actual paintings like just like a show they'd have gallery shows there mm. and so that was a huge scene so so absolutely that that uh, gallery scene downtown chicago at roto fuji was a huge influence so it was around that time that i really started to dive into character design coming up with my own uh characters to to work with because you'll see that within um kind of that, that gallery scene is is original characters. Mm -hmm. And then um, I started developing what I like to call a visual vo visual vocabulary, mm -hmm. where I'm working with brush strokes or, or shapes that are kind of always reoccurring within my work, a, a, a design motif that's, you know, being set as like a border, I used to do these like scallop borders mm -hmm. around all my paintings. Yeah. And yeah. so that was kind of the, the, the first kind of taste of developing my own style mm. very cool yeah i remember like photographing um some of those things some character stuff some of your flowers that had faces on them mm. uh, the smokestack uh do you still have that smokestack painting yes i do and it has your name on it that's i thought i thought <laughs> i thought i claimed that when you were uh I'm, yeah i gotta some, somehow get yours. that from you <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, that was my non-sequitur into <laughs> finding out if you yep. still have it. Um, <laughs> that's called a bad segue. Uh, All right. Um, so <laughs> so really quick, I, I've been looking for, I can't remember for the life of me, the name of this book, but Zoe has like this little golden book that she's had since she was a baby. And um, I can't remember... I can't remember the name of it for the life of me, but it reminds me of, um, you know, what you're describing with like the Mary Blair artwork and things like that. And when you mentioned like Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, um, 
all of those things. It it's it's very much in the same vein, and it looks very similar. Was it the little puppy? The puppy book? No, 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 no. It's not the puppy book. Because we have one of those that's a golden <clears throat> book as well. Yeah. No, so this one, um, I can't I can't remember it. It's like these tiny <laughs> little, like, print. I think it's like a tiny prince or something in the book. And okay. I don't know why, but um, I love I love that book. And then there was another one that, like, we, I remember coming across. I don't remember where we even found it, but it's just the back cover of the book. Um, the rest of it is gone. I don't even know where it went or what it's from, but it's the same kind of thing. And it's just this beautiful picture and it's the end of the story. And like, I kept it and it's in her room and she still loves it. And she's like, where's the rest of the book? I don't know. I didn't even know what book (laughs) it is. Um, but it's so, it's so beautiful. Um, the way that, the way that that's done. And I didn't know that she had done that Mary Blair had done work, um, on it's a small world that she had done, done that as well. Yeah. So I'll, we have a, a few of her prints in the house mm-hmm. um, from her visual development for that mm-hmm. that ride, and they're That's awesome. Cool. Her color colors, her shapes, just yeah. everything is so fun, mm-hmm. Ch- childlike, just kind of full of that kind of uh, wonder, you know. As a as you see, yeah. Um, but going back to Golden Books, that was another kind of deep dive where I found that you know these artists that I've kind of looked up to they have you know shelves full of art books right Mm. and then amongst those art books are little golden books Mm -hmm. and so i'm like (laughs) i gotta get into that so you know like i said when we'd go antiquing i'd always be looking for for golden books by specific specific artists Mm. um, that were linked to the animation industry because a lot of those Mm -hmm. artists during you know the off season or if they were you know not not working on something would get a job to do an illustration an illustrated book for for golden books Mm -hmm. during the during that time um so another artist uh that was a big influence of of just looking and finding golden books is a guy named ward jenkins this guy um if you look at his work on on instagram He's got Ward's Morgue. So it's kind of like alluding to the morgue files at Disney where they house all of the old artwork and everything. They call oh, it wow. a morgue. Um, so he posts vintage illustrations from Golden Books. And so I, I kind of got into uh, communicating with him and having kind of nice uh, you know, feedback back and forth about you know, vintage finds that, that I would pick up. Mm-hmm. And so over... Over the years, I've amassed quite the collection. Uh, That's awesome. We, we recently moved. And I, yeah, we recently moved, and that was one of the heaviest boxes. <laughs> was was literally just the golden books. Oh, that's great. So, were, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you, there were over 200 in the box. So. Oh that goodness. is a, quite a collection. There is a lot of them. That's amazing. So between like discovering your style and like the influences that you've had on what you create, um, I know uh, like when you were finishing up grad school and you had to do your gallery show and and all that stuff, you kind of hit a stride with with some of these different characters you were developing. Um, But between education and what you're doing for your job and then creating these characters, you find yourself um, wrestling with some of that time management that everyone wrestles with when it comes to pursuing the creative projects and then doing the task at hand? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's a huge thing for artists. It, it can really get me down. Like yeah. I, have a, I, I struggle with that a lot. Um, so trying to, trying to find, uh, or make time, not find time, but it's there, uh, but make, make the time, mm-hmm. um, to kind of revisit those. I, I have a, a whiteboard with like, project goals on there you know and in mm. those those things that i created i mean that was uh, it's kind of crazy to think about that was that was already uh six years ago wow. that i finished my my grad school uh it was an ma in drawing and painting and so uh, yeah that time just flies by but in that in those six years we we began our family and yeah, so right there's that aspect of it too yeah um we have two children francis is three and uh Oliver's one, so. Um, There's a lot going there, on at that age. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it definitely is. Um, so, in in over the years too, you you know, as like an artist, you just kind of start. You just start. I I, I do anyway. I, I I'm big into like learning learning something new, uh, mm. and then like going really deep into that one topic. And yeah. so, things that have kind of come out of, you know, suppose school would be like painting uh in in plain air and and you know nick we have a common love for james gurney that guy's just like a wealth of knowledge um so getting into his writings and his blog and um painting outdoors plain plain air painting that's kind of become my my newest obsession yeah how he somehow manages to manipulate gouache is beyond me i have not I've not figured that out. His watercolor and gouache stuff. I'm just like, how do you, how do you even do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has a phenomenal video about creating fantasy um, in the wild. So it's taking our imaginations and plugging those things into what we're observing in front of us outdoors, plain air. So you're taking on, taking in like truth observation what's yeah. what's the lighting actually in front of you but then he like superimposes uh, a giant robot or a floating car or something <laughs> you know something yeah. surreal or, mm. or fantastic and that's been something where i've kind of seen my work possibly going to would be to take the uh the kind of world that i created it, it in my master studies with mm. the characters and the the world building and all of that and plug in the natural feeling that you get from painting plain air hmm. um, rather than from from a photograph because you're seeing light uh, effect on color this is what the impressionists were you know right. trying to capture mm-hmm. right wow. so uh for those of us who don't know what plain air means is that is that just like real life like that's happening in front of you yeah, so plain air is open air. It's painting outdoors, okay. right? And so okay. that that became huge during the Impressionist period. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking like 19th century uh, was mm-hmm. was really 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 big. And uh, early uh, 20th century, there's a lot of California Impressionists that painted outdoors, plain air. A lot of uh, I mean, you get the Hudson River School out um, out east. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at that time where where they're painting outdoors they're painting the national parks they're mm-hmm. painting the american landscape yeah. um and they're they're setting up their easel and their paints outside and their their studio is you know nature mm-hmm. so yeah. that's that's a big thing but 
what's cool about the connection there is back to my love for animation is you'll get artists like James Gurney and, and others that will go and workshop at Pixar or at Disney um, or at Sony, you know, all these animation studios yeah. because painting from life, painting from, uh, you know, observation like that, that's how you get the, the natural lighting look that you see in all of these movies that we, that we uh, watch, you know, even, even 3d mm -hmm. animated movies. Yeah. You have to move, you have to move fast then when you're doing that. Yeah. Um, right. Move, move fast or anticipate, mm -hmm. kind of set yourself up. Yeah. yeah. I'm no, I'm no expert. It's definitely <laughs> like I'm, I am a newbie just giving it a try. Um, uh, because I, I, you know, um, admire so many people that yeah. do mm -hmm. a fantastic job with it. So it's, it's fun, mm -hmm. but I've, it is, uh, yeah, it is tough. Yeah. yeah. I I've only done it uh, like literally a handful of times. Mm -hmm. Um, but like when you consider your temperature, like depending on the material you're working with, you know, if it's you're working with watercolor and it's terribly hot out, you know, yeah, it dries just... quickly. You got to move quickly. Absolutely. Um, but I also find that at least for me, those few times I've done it, I, I worry less about uh, the final product and just more about the the like structure of the piece, you know, and trying to capture those perspectives and the visual and like you said some of that lighting even if the paint doesn't go the way i want it to um but really just practicing like the the technique of of observation of taking in what yeah. i'm seeing and translating it well versus mm -hmm. what i think i'm seeing because sometimes as artists you know our eyes play tricks on us and the perspective or the visual doesn't come out the way we think because we're focused on what's in the mind versus what is actually there mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah. that that idea kind of goes back to the classroom too where you get a kid um trying to draw let's say an apple or a tree mm -hmm. and they draw what they think an apple or a tree looks like rather than when we're doing a still life or whatever it might be mm -hmm. um not actually drawing what they're observing um mm -hmm. so that there's a big disconnect there and so just going through the practice it's just practice learning how to see correctly and that's what that's what you're doing outside yeah um but like like I was saying, if I could take those those color notes and then produce one of my characters within a setting with that kind of feeling, that's kind of what I see would be like a, a next step for me. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome, man. That's very cool. I think um, for anyone who is um, who's listening ought to be encouraged because the idea that you continue to pursue knowledge, continue to pursue like the learning and the the drive for figuring things out like to not stay stagnant with where we're at you know just mm -hmm. like you mentioned earlier with students like to think well this is impossible for me but rather to say no I have the ability to even if it takes hard, hard work to grow in this area or to learn something new with this doesn't matter if you're 10 years old or you're 50 years old you know you have the ability to to practice and to try and to learn something new which is which is really cool it's fantastic. You know, it, it really goes against the idea that you can't teach a, an old dog new tricks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so many people are are believing that and we can keep learning for the rest of our lives. And, and that's yeah. an amazing, amazing gift. Yeah. 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 Hopefully all those people who have learned to bake bread in quarantine, like can take those skills and apply to other things they can learn, too. Right. Mm -hmm. There's so many. I've seen so many. Why are you looking at me? Well, because we've done that. We've oh, yeah. made bread. So I've been doing it. 
but I also have learned other things too. But I, yeah. you know, like I've seen like tweets and pictures. Like I decided to learn how to bake, and I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, just beyond when when this ends, you know, being able to take that motivation and that uh, that progress and that desire to learn new things and implement them hopefully transcends just this time where we're forced to be inside or forced to be in this state. Um, and so I, I would hope that that would encourage people then, you know, to say, yes, you're right. I can do something. I can try something. Maybe it doesn't work the way I want it to, but I can at least give it a try. Yeah, Absolutely. If you had any advice that you would want to give um, either, let's say, it's your, your group of students or someone who is interested in, in being an artist for the first time or someone who is like, you know, I've spent time away from this for a while, but I want to get back into it. What is like your biggest piece of advice for an aspiring artist that you would try to encourage them with? I think what you got to do is find what it is you want to accomplish and, and then seek out the best, whatever that might be. And so you have these, you know, these examples of, uh, of, of somebody in that field or whatever it is, if you're an artist and you're trying to learn how to draw, uh, you know, portraits, so find awesome portrait artists and and then have that kind of as a visual and then find somebody that you can go to to ask for you know honest criticism and mm-hmm. um you know put yourself out there you got to get outside of your comfort zone um like i said earlier art is hard yeah. um you know that was from my professor javier Javera. he was he was such a great professor um in in as far as just letting you know, like, this is difficult, art's slow, it's also slow, you know? Um, And so once you kind of have those ideals of what it is you want to go out and accomplish, then you just got to put in time and effort and and stick to it, stick to it. It's going to take, you know, like a couple, couple months of quarantine to get good at at something. (laughs) At least before you get that red to rise. Yeah. 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 Very good. Very good. Uh, Well, I think that brings us to uh, our next segment on the show. What are we going to do today where we talk about the projects that we're working on? And this is perfect for quarantining because I'm sure we're all working on something. So let's hit that theme song. What are we going to do today? Hey, hey, what are we going to do today? So uh, what we're going to do today, I encourage everybody listening that if there is a project or a thing that you've decided to tackle during this time and you want to share it with us, you can email us at stokethewild at gmail.com and let us know about those different projects or tag us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at stokethewild because we would love to hear it. Uh, Mark, I'm going to start with you as our guest. What are some projects that during this time, along with teaching in quarantine, what are some of the things that you are practicing and working on? Yeah, so with with quarantine and uh, teaching what we call re- remote learning right now, um, putting out videos for my students and, and projects. There's so many art teachers that are, are banding together and doing like projects. And so we've really teamed up to um, help our students out uh, and, and get through this time. And I think for art um, or for our students, art can be very therapeutic and, mm, and it can yeah. just be like something that they're able to do to get their mind off of the, the crazy. And so uh, what I have 
my students doing are these quarantine sketchbook journals. They're visual journals. Sometimes they're just journals, words, how they're feeling. Um, but each week we put out different prompts. And so I've been putting together videos for that. And uh, I also put together a video of uh, how to make your own sketchbook at home with, with repurposed recycled materials. Um, and so that one's up on my, there's a link on my um, bio on my, my Instagram. So you guys can take a look at that and make, make a sketchbook of yourselves or for yourselves. Very um, cool. And then outside of school, I've been trying to do um, these daily paintings. I'm definitely behind right now, but I, I started out pretty strong. Um, there's a group out of California called the Warrior Weekend Warrior Painters, and a lot of them are in the animation industry, and they're doing what they call plain air prill. So <laughs> like plain April, but plain yeah. air prill. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I've been I've been trying to do some of those. I've been using watercolor. Love watercolor. Mm. Uh, use a little bit of white gouache. I mm. learned that from a guy named Nathan Fawkes. Yes. Um, is fantastic artist, fantastic teacher as well. Mm. Um, and then I did a gouache painting, and then I did one in casein as well, which is a milk-based oh, really? paint. Yeah. Mm. So these uh, daily daily paintings been trying to do them. very small. They're like four inches by four inches. Really, I've seen yeah. some of those. I didn't realize that's how small they are. Yeah. Wow. wow. That is. Tiny. I'm even more impressed now. I mean, I was already <laughs> impressed because you're fantastic, but like to sometimes in that small space, getting some good detail can be difficult if you're not patient. And that's definitely one of the things I struggle with, like the patience sometimes on pieces. And wow, that is cool. Very cool. Nice. Anything else you got working on right now? Uh, just house projects. I think that's another uh, kind of hobby or passion is yeah. woodworking or building things. Um, that's one thing I didn't get to do in, in school. I was in music and I was in art, so I didn't have room in my schedule for like a, a woods class. But, um, you know, having having projects to do around the house has been fun um, building stuff. So very cool. Yeah. Joy, how about you? What are some of the things you've got going on? Mm. Uh, well, I'm uh, I'm writing every day, which is an, a very new thing that um, I mean, it's not new. I've, I've always uh, enjoyed writing, um, but it's kind of been on the shelf for a while. And then more recently, um, there's a, a poem, a poetry um, challenge that I started participating in halfway through the month. But I was like, well, it's fine. Better late than never. Um, and so I'm working on writing every day, which actually can, is is uh, pretty difficult right now. Um, like one of those things, uh, that I keep thinking about is that we're all sort of experiencing, uh, a collective stress, um, mm -hmm. or a collective trauma. And so like your brain, my brain anyway, and I think most people's brains are having a really hard time focusing on one thing at a time. And we're dealing with this sort of scatterbrained feeling. And so, um, writing is, is helping me to focus, but it, at the same time, it's difficult to focus, uh, on the on the prompt so but it's been good yeah yeah anything else uh nothing that i can share right now it's a secret oh, oh <laughs> secrets okay um well that being said i have been also writing during this uh national poetry month uh through some prompts from a group called fight evil with poetry some friends of ours started that and mm -hmm. uh those have been either really really fun or very very challenging because sometimes mm -hmm. the topics make me really think about either what I'm wrestling with or struggling with or what I'm seeing in the culture and in media that mm -hmm. either I really, really don't like or I 
don't understand um, from people. And so it's been a, an interesting task to try to verbalize, uh, not verbalize, I guess, because it's written, but to uh, write down what it is I'm I'm being challenged by and I'm mm-hmm. I'm thinking through. And I don't have all the answers. And in several of those poems, especially over the last uh, the last part of April that we've been in to do this, they've been really like heavy in terms of the topics, whether it's politics or social justice um, or trauma or whatever. And that just makes me it forces me to look at myself a little bit differently, to look in the mirror differently about what it is I'd like to see happen in the world and how I want to be someone who, who loves people and cares for people and doesn't put up the excuses or put up barriers or walls. And so it's been a it's been revelatory, I think, in my own heart to to kind of wash through some of that and, and see what, what is left. Um, and good, and good from that. And I've also mm-hmm. been encouraged by a lot of people, friends and people who follow me on social media who I'm not necessarily friends with, but, but either found my art or whatever else, who have messaged me and just are, are encouraged by what it is I'm writing. And so... That's been really good. At the same time, some of the stuff that I've been writing about has caused me to create some illustrations that I have not shared yet with the world, at least at this point um, from the recording, because I think I want to, I've been working on a collective poetry book for a while, um, but I think with these, the the daily kind of prompt and being home to be able to do that mm-hmm. has allowed for me to really focus in this unfocused time, as you said, Joy, but to yeah. really focus on that and then it's given me some ideas for illustrations that I've been slowly messing with. And so when it's all said and done, if possible, it's been one year since I first started talking about it. And maybe it'll be this one year point where I finally get it done. But I'll have these collection of poems and some illustrations to to put out there and see if I can't get anybody to bite and see what happens with that, which I think would be would be cool. And if not, if anything, I, I did the task that I've been wanting to do for so long and, mm-hmm. it, and it's there. So um difficult but good all at the same time and um we've also been playing music quite a bit yeah that's been really fun we last week uh at the time this recording last week we uh were on your sister's Mm -hmm. instagram you checked it out mark thank you for i definitely definitely saw the uh the format tune so that was really awesome (laughs) we were just like this is the last one we're just gonna scream yeah Yeah. (laughs) just gonna butcher it Uh, (laughs) it was fun but um, we uh, we've been playing some music and um, with some of our recording stuff here at home, gonna mess around with maybe recording a couple of tunes and just having them, um, even if it's just for ourselves, just because why not, you know? Yeah, yeah. Right, right now we gotta like sort of sift through because my sister uh, um, is who we were we're doing that Instagram show with. Um, she really wants to lay down a couple of tracks with us, but we're like, it it is tough to figure out how to do it well um, with the distance because she's, you know, out at NIU and we're here. And so kind of managing, like, how do we do that um, in, a, in a decent sort of way? Yeah. Yeah. So we've got that challenge along with the other creative stuff. And, as you know, you mentioned having two kids. Of course, we have four. And so schooling and all that and <laughs> figuring out the remote <laughs> learning for the rest of the year. Uh, that's what we've got going on today and every day. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, Mark. Can um, I give a word? Can I give a word to the parents? Yes. Yeah. Your child's 
you know, social, emotional well-being is number one, even to mm. teachers, everybody. We just, we guys got to love your kids. Mm. It's going to be okay. We're going to come out the other side of this. And if next, you know, school year, we have to do some, you know, refreshers, that's what we're going to do. So don't fret. Mm. Don't worry about it. Just take it one day at a time and, and love your kids. Be uh, grateful that you're together. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Definitely. Definitely a good reminder when things feel like they're hitting a fan and you're just like, how am I going to do this? Um, yeah. It is good to know that even, you know, teachers care about the well-being of a child versus everything that is quote unquote supposed to be learned. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you. Um, and thank you for being with us on the show. Thank you for being here. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, website, Instagram, where can they, they follow along and keep track of what you're doing, support you, purchase any of your work if you've got it available, things like that? Sure thing. So my website is www.markfiskart.com, and my name is F-I-S-K-E. The E is silent. Fisk, <laughs> so. uh, and then uh, my Instagram is the same, at markfiskart. Very so. cool. Yeah, we will DM have those. Me if you see anything you like, yeah, that do kind it. of thing. So. Um, as someone who has several art pieces from Mark, um, yeah. I definitely encourage you buy all of the art, because <laughs> uh, it's it's great, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, little known fact, I'm gonna mention it now. I forgot to mention it at the beginning, but Mark also did our um, wedding design when Joy and I got married. Yeah, which we still have. It's hanging up in our room, and. Um, it's great. Oh, we see behind the curtain there <laughs> <laughs> on the Zoom call. Oh, I remember that one, too. So, yeah, I did a lot of, uh, you know, like preliminary ones for you guys to check out. And I, I still yeah. I, I don't know why this is literally right behind me, but I just pulled this out. <laughs> oh, I love that yeah. one. 2000. What was that? 2009? Yeah. 2009. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. We had this. uh you're gonna have to post that that preliminary shot and i'll post the original that i've got um just so people can see it i'll send it to you yeah Yeah. Yeah. uh because we've got yeah it's basically this tree in that style that you discovered that i just absolutely loved with a big like ridiculous grin on his face and then Mm -hmm. a bird this is yeah this is like straight up rocky and bullwinkle oh yeah uh, i love it and it was absolutely exactly what we wanted and full of life and full of love and it was great so we've got that piece I, a couple mm-hmm. years ago you drew me a uh a, your character uh with a batman costume on which oh yeah is so great i love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh i've got a couple i've got the um we have that giant one the giant painting from church a couple years ago you gave me um yeah. that you used some sort of putty on or something i i don't even remember because you were doing it up on stage it's but just, it's like drywall some uh drywall cement is that what it's called i don't even know like something like plaster. that yeah, yeah 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 and it's beautiful and every time we have it's been a while it's but every time we have people here they're like oh yeah. this is great who did this I'm like my friend mark go buy yeah. his stuff yeah it is uh, so cool. so good yeah. and then one day when we can see each other again that smokestack mm-hmm. um that's right which i'm thrilled about <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh go buy mark stuff follow him on instagram check out his website we'll have all that stuff linked below um, in the show notes, so you can you can do that. As always, you can find me at Nick Dertinger Art. You can find me at J M Dertinger. And guys, we just want to say thank you once again. We this is 
uh, our first episode into year two of what we're doing. So everyone who's listened from the very beginning, thank you so much for listening along. Everybody who's joined in along the way, we couldn't do this without you, and we are so excited for year two as we kick off and uh, the different things that we've got planned and in mind for that as well. So thank you so much, and we will catch you next time. Bye.